We are the ones we have been waiting for. Have you all heard those words said before? I did a little research. They were actually written by a poet named June Jordan about 50 years ago, and Alice Walker used them as a book title. Barack Obama quoted them very famously in a speech. We are the ones we have been waiting for. I first heard this said a few years back when I went with some friends to their Unitarian church one Sunday morning, and the choir came in and they were singing it as a rousing chorus. And the congregation, they got up on their feet and joined in, and they were clapping and celebrating. And I looked around, and I thought, really? <laughs> like, this is it? We're waiting for us? If that's the case, we're in trouble. I didn't want to burst the bubble of self-affirmation, so I, I kept my mouth shut. I loved my friends. It was a perfectly lovely congregation. But I knew enough about myself and about my friends and about human nature just to question how much promise any of us really have. It's not that we're demonstrably evil, but rather that we are good only in the most tepid and inconsistent of ways. <laughs> if salvation looked like the morally compromised and deeply limited group of people gathered that morning, I wasn't sure it was something I wanted to rely on. We're here in that time of year when you don't have to look very far to see human weakness. All you have to do is drive over to Pentagon City and wait for someone to steal your parking space. <laughs> and, and here, in this place, it's the end of the semester. Don't we all struggle to be decent human beings right now? None of us, none of us has enough time or patience or generosity. So, who are we waiting for? Now, it would be very easy at this point to preach to you that we are waiting for Jesus. And, and that would absolutely be a true sermon, but it's not quite the one that I want to preach to you today. Because I want to talk a little bit about that reading from Isaiah, because it gives us this complex answer to the question of who it is that we are waiting for and, and what it is that will save us. And I think it's an answer that might be really useful and perhaps really healing to our, our weak, weary, December-souled selves. So these few verses that we get, they are one of Isaiah's prophecies of hope. And they're actually in kind of a weird place. Most of those prophecies are at the end of the book. They are in third Isaiah. But this one is tucked early in the book, and it's actually surrounded by all these other prophecies of judgment. And the words themselves, they actually say kind of a weird thing. Like Isaiah's later words of hope, they sketch out, sketch out this vision of how the world might be when it finally gets redeemed. And it talks about exultation replacing despair and awe replacing shame. 
But the good things that are going to happen, they don't just descend. They don't just happen in a straightforward kind of way. So many other places in the Bible, and, and in particular in Isaiah, God makes salvation as this pure gift. The glory that, that dawns, the new heavens, the new earth, the blessings without measure and without price and, and seemingly without effort. But here, here the vision of a redeemed society, it kind of looks like a DIY project. It's not so much that God makes new things possible, but that God makes it possible for us to make new things possible. If you think about the way the text describes what salvation looks like, what, what will disappear? And frankly, it's our bad attitudes. The tyrant in us will go away. The, the scoffer will go away the part of us which is alert to evil will go away. Imagine that, a, a world where we're still ourselves, but where none of us are controlled by cynicism or the need for power. And there seems to be a really special concern here in Isaiah for the legal system and even, even for bureaucracy, not to trip up the arbiter. The promise here, it's of a world where no one is going to game the system, or, or more rightly, where no one is going to want to game the system, or will need to game the system. And when that stops happening, when we stop messing with justice, then justice can and will prevail. So if those vices those vices that we use to, to barricade and defend ourselves, if they disappear, what are we left with? And it actually turns out to be some pretty wonderful qualities, the traits on which a whole world can rest. Isaiah describes a people who are sanctified, people who have the capacity to be filled not with skepticism, but with awe. And then there's this great promise. Those who err in spirit will come to understanding. And those who grumble, those who grumble will accept instruction. In other words, we find that in this new world, there are people who don't need to dig their heels in deeper, but people who are open to growth and wonder. To me, that sounds like Isaiah is showing us a better version of ourselves. And better people can make a better world. Once we are changed inside, we finally are able to make change around us. And justice then comes not only because God gives it, but because God capacitates us to give it to one another. Here's the mystery of salvation. Is it divine intervention? Is it human effort? Isaiah's answer is a little fuzzy. Yes, and yes. Yes, God is the author of salvation, but 
And yes, we are going to be the ones enacting that salvation. God makes us capable of being the people we need to be. And God makes us capable of being better than who we have been. This is good news, especially in this season when so little about us seems reliably good. It suggests to me that, that what God needs from us is, is not our sporadic and incomplete virtues, not the goodness that we fail to muster. But instead, God needs our availability, our availability to be changed. God needs our minds open to new insight. God needs our soul's accessibility to the Spirit. God needs what the psalm calls a humble and contrite heart, not some manufactured moral excellence, but a clear-eyed understanding of, of our limitations, of our needs, of our hunger. So this week, this month, if you are walking down the street or if you drive to the mall or you just look around you in church and you think, is this it, God? Don't worry. It's okay. In fact, it's more than okay. It's enough. This very tottering collection of good intentions and missed opportunities and hopes and failures, because this this is all God needs to work with. We are all God needs to work with. We are not the ones we've been waiting for. I can't believe that. Not now, not in this life, I know. But it is worth waiting for the people that God is making us become. And it's worth, it's worth waiting for the world that God might still use us to make.